0: Luke chapter 24. I want to read from starting in verse 45. Luke chapter 24, verse 45. Then opened he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures and said unto them, Thus it is written. And thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in His name among all nations. Hang on, I lost my place. That repentance and remission of sins should be preached in His name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem, and ye are witnesses of these things. And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. Tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. Does anybody know what the word tarry means? First thing that comes to everybody's mind is wait, right? And that's right. But there's a, a little extra I want to add to it. And I was really comforted to know when I looked up this definition that what I was already thinking was already there. I didn't have to make it up. But it means to stay in expectation, it means to wait, but it means to wait with expectation. You know, somebody's not going to tell you to tarry if there ain't a reason to tarry, right? You're expecting something to happen. That's why you're waiting. Okay? Jesus said to wait with expectation until you're endued with power from on high. He told them to wait. Why did He tell them to wait? Until they receive power. See, He had already t- told them what they were to do. He had already commanded them with the Great Commission what they were to do, go into all the world and preach the gospel. But he said before you do that, you need to wait till you receive power. Now turn over to Acts chapter 1. I may do a little bit of reading today, y'all, but that's okay. It's the Word. Acts chapter 1, verse 6. When they therefore were come together They asked of him saying Lord Wilt thou at this time restore again The kingdom of Israel Now let's put this in context I want y'all to understand When this is occurring I'm not through reading right there But I want you to understand this You see, there was a time that Jesus was crucified. And then on the third day, He rose from the dead. And that was around when? Passover, right? Well, do y'all understand how long Jesus was on this earth after He rose from the dead? Have you ever really thought about that? You see, the day of Pentecost, Penta means 5 or 50 actually. The day of Pentecost was 50 days after Passover. And here we are at this point in time, I'm reading to you right now. Jesus is still on this earth. This is is approximately 40 days after He rose from the dead. You know, it it helps you to understand that this wasn't a a little 30-minute encounter with Jesus after He rose from the dead. He spent time with people. People saw Him and held Him and touched Him. He was there with them 40 days. That's a long time. That's over a month. Let's continue on. Verse 7. And He said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in His own power, but you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and unto the othermost parts of the earth. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. So you see, he said, he's reminding them once again, they're going to receive power. Now turn over to Acts chapter 2. Y'all just hang on. Starting in verse 1. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, Remember, this is 50 days after Passover. They were all with one accord in one place. How many of y'all know there's power when you're together in unity, praying? And And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Let's read down a little bit further. I may end up reading most of chapter 2, y'all. There's power in this. I want you to see this today, okay? <clears throat> and there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men out of every nation under heaven. Now, when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded because that every man heard them speak in his own language. It's a supernatural event, right? And they were all amazed and marveled, saying one to another, Behold, are not all these that which speak Galileans? Now, I want you all to understand something about the people of this time. Most of these disciples, and I'm not saying all, most were not very well educated. Most of them probably couldn't even read But here they were speaking other languages. And you know, let's face it, they didn't have airliners back then. They didn't have big boats to cruise across continents and and everything to travel to all these different countries to spend enough time there to learn another language. So this was something... See, they recognized these men as native to this area of Galilee. But here they are speaking other languages. And how hear we every man in our own tongue wherein we were born. And I'm going to skip reading the cities and everything here. Let's move on down to verse 12. And they were all amazed and were in doubt, saying one to another, What meaneth this? Others mocking, said, These men are all full of new wine. But Peter, y'all listen now. Peter standing up. You want to hear boldness? Just listen to Peter. Standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, <clears throat> You men of Judea, and all ye that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you and hearken to my words. For these are not drunken as ye suppose, seeing it is but the third hour of the day, but this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. Oh. And it shall come to pass in the last day, saith God. I will pour out my Spirit upon all flesh. All. Did you see that? All. I will pour out my Spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. And all my servants and all my handmaidens I will pour out in those days of my Spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders In heaven above and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and notable day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call, whosoever. Remember a while ago we said all. Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you ever want to go reference that, that's from chapter 2 of 20, in verse 28 of Joel. You men of Israel, hear these words Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God, among you, by miracles and wonders and signs which God did by him in the midst of you, ye yourselves also know him being delivered by the determinate counsel, and foreknowledge of God. Do you hear that? Foreknowledge of God. It means God knew it was going to happen before it ever was put into into practice. You have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain, whom God hath raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be holding of it. Speaking boldness, ain't he? And let's skip on down. I'm a verse here. <clears throat> verse thirty seven. Now, when they heard this. They were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, and this is where I really want you all to, to see what I'm talking about today, where I want to focus. Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized. And every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remissions of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Now I want you to make note of the order in which these things were done. And I'm going to dispel some myths to the best of my ability today. I want you to understand that you know there's some people that teach that when you are saved, you receive the Holy Ghost and that's it. And you know what? I'm not going to argue that, that point because they're right. You do receive the Holy Ghost when you're saved. He dwells within you. But I want you to understand what Peter was saying here. He said, repent, salvation, be baptized, and then you'll receive the Holy Ghost. Now, he wasn't talking about what these people are talking about today. He's talking about a very separate and distinct event... That would occur after you were saved and baptized. He's talking about the baptism of the Holy Ghost. He's talking about what these men and women encountered on the day of Pentecost. Endued with power. Endued with power from on high. The very thing they were sitting there waiting on. See, they had already believed on Jesus, they had already been baptized. They were waiting on power. Now, last time I looked, all means all. And if you go on and read here, you'll see that this is a promise to all sons and daughters. You know what that tells me? All. You see, you'll never look through the Bible and find a place where a prophet said or a disciple, or an apostle in the New Testament, you'll never find a place where they said, you know what, I remember the times that the Holy Ghost was moving, and man, it was sure awesome, and I just wished it would happen again. You know why they don't say that? Because it never ceased. Because there was never a point where they could say, I sure wish it was like it was. I sure wish God would pour His Spirit out again. You see, the last time I checked, God is a source that is inexhaustible. God is a provider from the greatness of things that we can't begin to imagine. And when He's it begin to reveal Himself to us through the Holy Spirit, there wasn't going to come a time that there needed to be an end to it. Why am I telling you this today? First of all, I want you to understand what the Word tells you and not what some man has decided. I want you to understand that because you were saved and baptized, that was not the end. There is something greater to be looking after. Something greater to be longing for. Something greater to be desiring. And that's the the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's nothing to be afraid of. In fact, you'll see that these men that were standing here watching all this weird stuff going on, seeing these people speaking languages they knew they didn't know. What did they say? What do we need to do? They were hungry for something, y'all. They didn't look at these men and say, I don't want no part of that. If you'll read on there in the end of Acts chapter 2, you'll see that there were over 3,000 souls added to the kingdom of God that day. That day along, that event, over 3,000. That doesn't sound to me like there was a lot of people standing around snickering and laughing at what was going on and thinking, no, I don't want no part of that. I'm too scared. I'm I'm nervous about what people are going to think about me. They're, They're just a bunch of foolish people because, see, they were in the presence of holy power. They were in a place where they felt the presence of God moving. And what did they say? What do we need to do? What do I need to do to get a hold of that? You see, there's a desire in these people to receive something greater than anything else they had seen before. And the problem today is there's so many imitations. There's so many imitations. And people look around and they say, why do I need that when I can go to the store and buy it? Why do I need to waste my time trying to be pure and holy when all I've got to do is go drink a little or smoke a little? Why do I need to waste my time when I can live the way I want to live and do it this way and have a little temporary fix every now and then? I'm sorry. Did I just say that out loud? Look at verse 39. For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off even as many as the Lord our God shall call how many of y'all are called by God today? I don't see no hands y'all raise your hands are you called by God? what does that mean? what does it mean to be called? I I want somebody to give me an answer somebody What does it mean to be called by God? There's a whole lot of people Raise their hands saying they was called Now, don't nobody know what it means? I'm going to put you on the spot today Yeah? Chosen? That's right? It's part of it But see that so many people take what Brother Jerry just said and they say, well, that doesn't apply to me. You know, I don't see anybody else in here that's a pastor today. There's a handful of y'all that are teachers, there's a handful of y'all that's called to do something else or this or that. But so many people listen to that word called and they say, that excludes me because God hasn't given me a specific purpose. But I want you to understand today that the word called is all-inclusive. When it comes to the point of whether you're saved or not, you are the called of God if you're saved. You see, He called you out of darkness into His marvelous light, is what the Word tells you. So I want you to understand that this scripture today that I just read applies to every single one of you here. Even as many, you see, he didn't have to say everybody after the point of 100 B.C. Or A.D., I'm sorry. He didn't say everybody before. He didn't have to put a timeline on this thing. He didn't say that this is going to be in effect for X number of years. You better get it while the getting's good. Why? Because there was no anticipated end to it. There was no reason why they should have to wonder when is this going to end because God doesn't give and take away like that. When He gives you something, the the resource is inexhaustible. When He puts something in, in effect as grand of a scheme as the Holy Ghost, there's no reason to wonder when it's going to end. This promise is unto you Your children And all that are afar off Even as many as the Lord our God Shall call So let's just move on Move on Looking for power You see these men Were standing there and they said What do we need to do Because I need what you have Peter stood up y'all Man, every time I read it, I just, I feel, I feel power. Because I know when he stood up and began to speak, y'all listen, this is a fisherman. This is a guy that makes his living fishing. And he stood up and spoke to all this this group of people. I don't even know how many people was there. I know over 3,000 were saved. So there's no telling how many were there. And he stood up and said, Listen to what i got to say. And he began to not only speak to them, but he began to remind them of what the Scripture said. Because see, they all knew it. They all knew what the, what the prophecy said in the Old Testament. They learned this stuff from the very tender ages that they could begin to understand. They began to be indoctrinated with what the Word of God said. So when he began to, to say that this is fulfilling what the prophet Joel said and began to tell them this word... And when he got done, he went on and he told them about David and how how David prophesied of the same things and how David knew that there was going to come a time when he was going to be resurrected. David prophesied about Jesus coming and dying and, and being rose again. He told them about that. And when he was done, what did it say? It said they were pricked in their heart. Now how did a fisherman... A guy that probably couldn't even talk straight. Probably illiterate. He definitely didn't have time to go sit down and prepare his notes. And get the PA system just set just right. He just got up and started talking. How did this guy reach into the heart of over 3,000? And they received Jesus. The Holy Ghost. The same way this little country boy is stand, stand in front of you today and talk. And it don't happen every time. But every now and then you'll see somebody respond. You'll see somebody get a little catch of what I'm saying. And, and they will respond and they'll come and they'll receive Jesus as their Savior. I'm going to tell you that only happens because of the anointing of the Holy Ghost. It has nothing to do with anything I do other than allowing God to work through me. I'm here to tell you today that this is not some kind of exclusive social club that nobody else can come in and be a part of unless you're a preacher. I'm here to tell you today that not only do you have a right, but you're expected to want to receive the Holy Ghost. That Word tells you that you repent, you be baptized, And you receive. You see, it's a gift. It's given to you. Now think about this, y'all. Just think, this is on the simplest level. Anybody here understand this? If God, the creator of all heavens, the universe, everything that we know to be real and tangible in this world, wanted to give you a gift. Now listen, this is the perfect one. The holy one. Totally pure and clean. There's no, there's no fault in Him. There's nothing wrong about Him. Everything he, he does or speaks is truth. He wants to give you a gift. Why in the world would you want to reject it? Why in the world would you turn your back and say, I just don't really want that right now, God? don't make any sense to quote a movie that don't make no sense i don't know if y'all know it but if you do it's funny why would you reject it why would you even go to go as far as to maybe even make fun of people that have it Why would you look down on it like it's something you don't really need, like it's a cancer, like it's some kind of thing that that ought to be just, let's just don't even talk about it. That all ceased. You know why they say that? Because they don't want to address it. They don't want to have to answer the question of why God would still be trying to do this today. Why He would still be trying to pour His Spirit out. See, when He begins to pour, He keeps pouring. It's ready there. It's waiting, man. All you got to do is get under it. All you got to do is receive it. It's a gift. It's given to you. You don't have to do anything to earn it. Just receive it. There's a difference in the holy ghost dwelling in you and being baptized with it just like there is a difference in being in drinking water and being dumped in it you know, I drink water all the time and in fact if you talk to somebody that knows their science we're made up of 70 something percent water That ain't the same thing as being dunked in water, is it? It's two totally different things. Even though they contain two common pieces, me and water, they're not the same thing. So you see, being a spiritual person, walking and living in the Spirit, I'm made up of the Spirit, ain't I? You see, the Word tells you that that you're a new creation. That the old man has passed away. Behold, all things become new. That new thing is a spiritual person. A spiritual birth. You're born again in the Spirit. You're made up of the Spirit. But that's not the same thing as being covered up in the Spirit. Being dunked in the Spirit, is it? You see, they're the same. It's a a good analogy. You can see the connection there. I'm here to tell you today, y'all, you ever wonder why you just can't seem to break through? Why you just can't seem to get past your own shortcomings and really reach out and do something great for God? You ever wonder why you can't? Lack of power. Just like Jesus told those disciples, he said, "Tarry, wait with a great expectation, I would venture to say, until you receive power from on high. See, there's a whole lot of people. Y'all know how, some of you may have done the math. Do y'all understand how long they tarried in Jerusalem from the last time Jesus told them to wait when he ascended? If you do the math real quick you'll see it's about 10 days 10 days and I'm going to guarantee you 95% of you here don't want to wait 10 minutes down here at the altar you know how I know that because I've been one of them you get down here. You spend a little time praying. You say, "Man, my knees sure are getting tired." And you kind of look around. Everybody's going back to their seat. And you say, "I guess it's time to go back to my seat." Jesus said, "Wait until you receive power." You see, those. You know why those people waited? Anybody have an idea why they waited? Because they wanted to receive power Not only did they want to receive power But they wanted to do what God had told them to do They wanted that more than anything else That's why they were sitting there waiting They were praying of one mind, of one accord Praying for the same thing God, send us power God, let us do what you called us to do God, whatever. We, what do we need to do just like those men said That were pricked in their heart What do we need to do And they said God I'm staying right here See Jesus didn't tell them Go and wait until the day of Pentecost He said go and wait until you receive power Something else I want you to see Is that they didn't go about their business No No They didn't just, okay, I'm waiting on God, but I'm going to keep going and doing what I'm doing until He decides to show up. That's not what they did. They gathered together, and they waited, and they waited, and they waited. Ten days. Ten days. That's a long time to be sitting there waiting on God to move. But He said to wait, I'm going to wait. See, it's a little bit different because they had... They had this personal encounter with the Son of God. They knew Him personally. Now, I'm not talking about like we do today. Yeah, I I know God on a personal level because He talks to me and, you know, we talk back and forth to each other. But they saw Him and held Him. They knew, excuse me, they knew Him like I know my wife. I mean, just. Personally and intimately. They were with Him. But you see, just because they had that advantage doesn't mean that we can't have the same kind of desire. It's, it's this false teaching that, that has driven people to the point of, well, there's nothing really that is that important that I need to wait on. So why should I get down there and wait? You see, but they had a great expectation of things to come because they already knew God. They had personal encounters with Jesus and they knew that everything He said was truthful. So they had no reason to doubt. They had no reason to think He wasn't going to fulfill what He said He would do. So they went and they waited. They said, no, Jesus said we're going to receive power. I ain't leaving here till we receive power. That ain't different from what you've got today. Do you understand that? You have the same promise. He said you will receive the Holy Ghost after you have been saved and you've been baptized and you should expect to receive it. Do you understand what I'm saying? The same God is still on the throne. The same Son of God is at His right hand, making intercession for me and you. Now, why is it today that His word is no good? Has He ever lied to you? Have you ever found false prophecy in His word? Everything He's ever prophesied has been fulfilled. Why can't we believe him today? Why don't we put the same stock in his word today that they did then? I tell you, you want to be endued with power. Better get ready to wait. You know why? God knows the intent of your heart. And I'm here to tell you, there was a whole lot of times I thought I wanted something from God. But I didn't yet know what it meant to want something from God. God left me hanging there until I figured out what it really was to want and desire and be hungry. If y'all don't know what I'm talking about today, you ain't got there yet. Because There's going to come a time if you stay on the course with God, continuing to grow, there's going to come a time when you're going to be so hungry You're going to say, God, I need something. I need something. And He's going to say, It's me. You need me. You need a source of power greater than yourself. You need something outside yourself that's greater than anything you can imagine. You need to be filled with me. You can run on vapors if you want to, but I want to be full.